When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. What is going on, Bet Sports fan? It's your favorite history teacher, Mr. Parker Ainsworth, here with another edition of FN Sports, the podcast where teachers grade sports' biggest issues. And today, we're going to actually hand out one big flunk to a bunch of modern GMs in regards to contract situations with Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murphy. We're going to talk a little bit about Pat Mahomes, Dak Prescott from a year ago even, and even talk some about Zion Williamson and the NBA. So without further ado, let's get into why these guys are flunking. All right, so before we go too far, I should probably explain why we're just going to flunk a handful or multiple or just like this idea of GMs that don't quite know what to do with their next generations of quarterbacks. But as we've been looking at this summer, there's been a lot of hyper-criticism and hyper-focus on criticizing a handful of particular young up-and-coming quarterbacks, the next generation of quarterbacks. So not quite the Joe Burrow rookie classic, or not quite the rookie contract classic quarterback like Burrow and Tua and Herbert and those guys. But we're looking at the next group, the Mahomeses, the Jacksons, the Kyler Murrays, even to some extent Baker Mayfield and that group of guys that kind of in their second and third contract. Some of these guys have even solidified themselves as stars, and so they kind of have to work from that framework as well. And GMs don't seem to know what to do with these guys. So much so that I'd argue they're actually insulting their guys. So let's start first with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is 25 years old. He won the MVP in 2019, which I should mention was his first year as a starting quarterback full-time for a full season 
in the NFL since 2019. He has been second in QBR, second in total touchdown rate, 11th passer rating, which I think is important because that does take out the aspect of his legs in this equation. And overall, he continues to be a Pro Bowl quarterback time and time again in an entire offense that once it was created in his likeness after 20, during 2019 and then after, he continues to dominate football games, at least when he's on the field and playing in them. And while people, I guess, want a lot out of him and they haven't been on deep playoff runs, I think it's worth pointing out that this guy is still just 25 years old and he has been a starter for all of three full seasons. And we're looking at a guy that time and time again puts up outrageous both passing completion numbers, passing touchdown numbers, and, oh yeah, he like runs a 4-3 and does all that crazy stuff with the legs in this crazy rushing attack offense that makes you put eight guys in the box and you still have trouble tackling him. And all it takes is one guy out of position to throw off your entire defense and watch him go 60 yards down the field faster than anyone on your defense. Now, as we sit here recording this, which probably means he'll sign a deal sometime this week because I'm going to sit here recording this today, he has not signed an extension to his contract yet. He notably has not had any real public agitation, although he did change the header on his Twitter to a grill that said, I need money or I need dollar signs. Uh, he does not have an agent. And so I think that that kind of got used against him in the early part of this process. People really try to use that as like, well, he doesn't know what he's doing. He has no agent and blah, 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 blah. And all these kinds of like very old fashioned criticisms for why he should hire someone to then give 3% of the contract to. But as we see here in July, the truth is, those contracts are kind of standardized. There's just, he's the next quarterback up. He's got the MVP trophy under his belt. He's 25. He'll theoretically play for a long time. The at least dollars per year is kind of set in stone at this point, regardless of how many years. And that may be a deciding factor between Lamar and the organization. But you're going to be paying him in the 40 to $45 million range. And frankly, he's probably asking for like 47 because the last guy that signed Kyler got 46 right? That's just set. There doesn't need to be an agent there to discuss this, that, and the other thing. This is not a like nuanced conversation. This is the way starting quarterback contracts role. They continue to one-up themselves, and the latest quarterback contract will always be the highest-paid quarterback contract of all time. And so Lamar Jackson is next. And while he might not get the term on his contract in terms of years that like Mahomes signed for a decade or whatever, and that was very famous, but he is going to get more than $45 million a year. That's just the way these contracts roll. You don't need an agent to negotiate that. That information is out there. That information is public. He can sit there and say, hey, I want more than that guy, and that's what they're paying him. That said, I understand like there's to be a little bit more nuanced yet. There's to be a little more conversation that, et cetera. But there's no indication Lamar Jackson's not an intelligent guy, so I don't know why he can't have those conversations. <sighs> I digress. That all being said, there was a lot of criticism around Lamar early on in this process about why doesn't he hire an agent? Is he doing himself a disservice because he is such a unique quarterback? Unique being the air quotes word there that he needs an agent to argue his worth. His worth and his value are very simple. He's a top quarterback in the NFL. He's 25. He's got an MVP trophy under his arm. Even if 2021 was his worst season throwing the football, he still completed 64.4% of his passes in a league where the league leader completed 69.9. And 
again, he does all of these crazy things with his legs that manipulate a defense and change the way they have to defend you. Now, I look at this and I look at Lamar Jackson, I'm like, well, why hasn't this deal gotten done yet? The very natural thing seems to be people are arguing about how long he's going to sign there. He probably wants the longer term deal. Again, quarterback, the entire object of the defense is to hit you. <laughs> so, of course, while I would rather have an athletic guy back there trying to avoid those hits, it's natural to think that those guys could get hurt potentially and you want the longevity of the contract if you're Lamar. Whereas if you're Baltimore, he is running around. A lot of your offense does depend on him carrying the football and so maybe you do a little bit of different calculus and don't want to do the 10-year type of contract that you just saw Patrick Mahomes get. But here's what I think is interesting is that there's also a sentiment out there that it, it doesn't matter if Lamar isn't going to be healthy for the entirety of the next 10 years or whatever. I mean, there's an anonymous, probably Jack Delrio, but an anonymous defensive coordinator that said he doesn't care if Lamar Jackson wins 12 MVPs. He's not giving him that kind of contract. He doesn't think of him in that kind of light. And I just, I wonder why that is. And further, why would you be insulting your franchise quarterback you've built your entire team around by dragging this out instead of just offering him the contract? You've built your whole team around this guy meanwhile and looking at another big nfl contract signed this summer by kyler murray a quarterback who's about the same age about to turn 25 and was actually taken in the next year's draft kyler signed a rather large contract to say the least five years 230 million rather sizable signing bonus and he's a guy that also manipulates defenses because of how he moves the entire offense shifts their pocket and thus changes what they do and thus the defense has to react in a way that they don't to a big stiffy Santa back there that isn't very mobile much like I value Lamar Jackson being able to move and get away from those defenders chasing him down Kyler Murray does a lot of the same things, at least behind the line of scrimmage, in being able to escape and shift his hips and stay balanced while evading defenders. He's a little bit different in how he attacks the defense, but I think the way that they manipulate defense is actually fairly similar because it's so unorthodox, it's so unusual, it's so unique, and frankly, it's kind of the way the game is going if you look at how many young quarterbacks are mobile back there. But Kyler, who's a little bit shorter, and I guess a little bit stouter, but whatever, a little bit shorter and smaller guy, did get his contract, but famously now, his contract had an interesting stipulation, a frankly relatively insulting stipulation that he had to, quote, watch four hours of independent film study each week. Now, I could go on about how that's minimal for a football player, and even your kicker's watching more film than that per week, and so on and so forth, and we can talk about why that is, but they've actually already taken that out of the contract because of all of the backlash it caused. So since it's been taken out, I don't actually know how productive would it would be to go on and on about what the clause meant. It meant he had to sit on what was probably going to be a monitored device of some kind while at home studying some sort of film for four-ish hours a week, something that every football player would benefit from. And frankly, as Kyler mentioned his own self in his own press conference, a fairly minimal level of work ethic that it's kind of insulting to imply he was not already doing. I mean, this is a guy that I know y'all don't care a lot about high school football, but as a Texas high school football legend for going 43-0 and at the highest level of high school football here in the state of Texas, he's also a Heisman Trophy winner, a number one overall pick, and was a top 10 pick in baseball, the other sport he plays, 
In his first three seasons in the NFL, he threw 64%, 67%, and 69% completions for better than 3,700 yards each season. Has also revitalized the Arizona Cardinals that I think it's worth mentioning had a top 10 pick the year before him and took a quarterback but said, no, we're going to completely scrap that Josh Rosen guy and go all in on the Kyler experiment. So they go all in on the Kyler experiment. This contract shouldn't have really been that up in the air. What were they going to do if they don't re-sign Kyler Murray? Their entire team, coaching staff, wide receiving staff, their offense, everything is based around having Kyler Murray take the snaps. The power was there for in his hands, I guess. So you maybe have some sort of a power struggle. But at the end of the day, they were always going to have to offer him in a world where the quarterback gets the most money the most money offered. They gave him $46 million a year, 235 or whatever it is over five seasons. So why insult him with this extra clause, this idea that they've already had to take back where he's going to have to watch film? I think a lot of people go, well, they haven't had the winning down the stretch of seasons and that indicates film and this and that. But the head coach they hired to run this whole scheme, Cliff Kingsbury, has always had that in the last third-ish of his seasons as a head coach, whether that was at, or I guess as a coordinator in Houston or as a head coach at Tech or now in Arizona, he consistently has a worse into the season than start. Now, in big-time college football, like at Texas Tech, that can be like because, well, the first part of your season, you're playing non-Big 12 opponents, and then as you get into the meat of the schedule, you're playing tougher and tougher opponents, whatever. In the NFL, and I think one thing that translates to both the NFL and college, Cliff Kingsbury's teams get figured out by the midway point and people are watching them on film and he needs to do the adjusting but we don't hear about the big extension he signed any sort of a film watched requirement at all now i understand that kyler murray is a young up-and-coming quarterback and it sounds like he's got a crazy twitch channel and a great gaming background he's really like connecting with the kids and the fans and people love that about him or at least a certain audience loves that about him but I would look at Cliff Kingsbury as the kind of guy that has a whole lot of stuff going on off of the football field. And when we all we all saw that house in Arizona when they did the draft from home, right? Like we remember looking at like you think he's just sitting there watching film on that big screen every single day. Now, I only bring that up to question because well, I think it, it's ludicrous to question how much film an NFL head coach watch. I think it's also ludicrous to question how much film an starting NFL quarterback watches. But that's the question the Arizona Cardinals ask. So why include this insulting thing and ask us of a quarterback if it's such a ludicrous question? It's also, and this is complete sidebar. I think worth mentioning that, like, if you really question if a guy is learning off a film, having him do it on his own logistically ain't going to help. A guy's going to learn how to watch film better by watching film with other people. Assigning extra film on his own <laughs> would not solve the problem of learning how to watch film better. So if that's really the issue they had, this was an awful way to go about it. Sidebar over. All of this insulting contract language and people being unable to give their star player or quarterback a new contract makes me think of Dak Prescott having just signed his big contract in February after having to prove himself on a franchise tag deal with the Dallas Cowboys in a situation that felt weirdly similar just a season ago. Now, Prescott is a little bit older than this class of guys where Mahomes or Jackson or Kyler are all around, give or take a few months here or there, 25. Prescott's first real shot of this money came more like 26 going on 27, but Dallas opted to franchise tag him instead of giving him a long-term big contract that he probably 
deserved. <laughs> in the 2019 season, Dak completed 65% of his passes, threw for 4,900 yards, 30 touchdowns, and just 11 interceptions. And that's, again, in a very heavy pass offense as he's watching guys like Ezekiel Elliott and eventually Pollard come up behind him and also dominate on the run game. Dallas's offense has not quite been the problem. I, I digress. You could argue they go 8-8. Eight and eight. You can talk about playoff wins and losses and so on. But on the field, Dak continues to impress. The next season is obviously the one that he breaks his ankle in or his leg. I actually forget which part. It was a very, it was a compound break. It was bad, right? Remember, all remember the injury. He's sliding, trying to slide, gets tackled by bad injury, right? That spring is when they hesitate to give him the contract, give him the franchise tag, etc. And then he comes out the next season and goes on for 4,400, almost 4,500 yards, another 37 touchdowns to 10 interceptions, so an even better ratio. And again, He's looking just like the same kind of guy. I would also go back and point out that, like, in the five or, I guess, four and a half games before he got hurt, he threw for almost 2,000 yards. So in 2020, you might have been able to still say, oh, no, he's actually worth all that cash. But they didn't. Instead, in the franchise year, he came out and balled, and then they had to pay him another big contract. And I think what's interesting here is that Dak is also a guy that's a little bit younger and moves around and manipulates defenses because he is able to run and he changes the game a little bit. And we're like, well, what do we do? How do we pay this guy? The answer is you just freaking pay the guy. And Dallas opted to wait a year before they paid the guy that they went and paid him a year later. But I digress. They had the same kind of contractual stall a year earlier with the guy at 26, 27, right around the injury time. And what are we going to do with this quarterback. Now, Dallas' situation is a little bit complicated because they also are paying the running back a lot of money, and Jerry's not the best at keeping the books and those kinds of things. But I digress. At the end of the day, they had to pay Dak Prescott because their entire offense is built around the duality of Dak Prescott, and thus they have to have him on the roster for all of that to work. So why insult him by giving him this franchise tag and waiting a year and then, frankly, when you look at the years on the contract, you could argue not quite giving him the same kind of cash in the end either. Now, Dak does not have the MVP trophy under his arm that Lamar Jackson does. He's not starting from a first-round number one overall pick as far as the salaries go at the start of their contract like Kyler does. And it actually, I think, does play into how the contracts then build up on themselves if they continue to perform at number one pick level as number one pick. So I think that that does play into why it's a little bit lower on the whole and frankly you'd argue the four years might be more of what Baltimore wants to look at giving Lamar even if they give him the 45 46 million dollar amount they might look at like a four-year 200 as opposed to a five years 240 or whatever but again in the course of this contract negotiation why insult a guy by giving him a franchise tag year to prove it instead of giving him the money you know that he's going to be worth that injury was a clean break it was a broken bone those things heal why would the dallas cowboys double down and giving him back-to-back -back franchise tag kind of contracts instead of giving him the full quarterback contract that he is due why are teams insisting with these younger we'll say mobile we'll say unique we'll say next generation quarterbacks by insulting them with these ludicrous contract holdouts or with these stipulations or with giving them one-year deals why does this continue to happen to some quarterbacks and not others for instance i don't see anyone offering to give tom brady some sort of a de-escalator on his contract for the amount of film 
he watches. And if it's just a de-escalator for something that's such a minimum level of film watched, why wouldn't he sign on to that? Why wouldn't we offer that to every quarterback in the NFL? Why doesn't Kirk Cousins have some sort of a de-escalator for how many times he doesn't stay after practice and throw the ball in trash cans at or whatever? I mean, at the NFL level, it's actually a moving target and a netness and the other thing. But I digress. Why aren't these basic things that help every quarterback being used as de-escalators across other quarterbacks that maybe don't have the entire franchise built around them in the same kind of way. I mean, we're seeing Carson Wentz bounce around a whole lot. I hadn't heard of a de-escalator when his contract for film being watched one stinking time. In the inverse, you had Josh Allen make a major leap, frankly, before even his rookie season as an athlete and as a pass thrower, and then make another giant leap between seasons one and two, and make a giant leap between seasons two and three, and I assume we're going to keep watching this happen over and over and over again, but he didn't need a bunch of contract incentives to study film to do it, or to get on the field and get the reps in to do it, or any of those kinds of things. It's part of the job, and he went out and did it. So why aren't we expecting that for guys like Kyler, right? Why do we expect that Josh Allen wants to be better at his craft than other guys? Or why do we expect that Matthew Stafford in his entire 13-years, 14-year career, why do we expect that he doesn't need these kinds of things along the way to get to be an eventual Super Bowl winner? Or like the epitome of league average quarterback Kirk Cousins, he's played for 10 years, and I've never heard anyone say, well, we've got to incentivize him to make sure he goes and watches film so why do we assume that he wants to be better at this craft than kyler we also never hear about these guys fighting for contracts in the same way i mean kirk cousins signed a ludicrously large contract once upon a time and i remember we all sit around talking like that's just what quarterbacks do so why isn't that what lamar jackson or dak prescott gets to just do this next season we're going to see guys like justin fields trey lance or another crop of young quarterbacks get to go on the field and try their hand out at this. We're going to see Tua Tagovailoa with actual weapons all around him in a whole new innovative offense get to go out and take advantage of defenses as well. But pay attention to next offseason. Let's look at how those same guys get talked about as we start looking at what their contracts look like. Are any of them asked to hold out? Are any of them asked to do silly things like watch extra film on their own even though they all watch a lot of film because they're NFL freaking quarterbacks? Does anyone ask a guy like Trevor Lawrence to hold on, wait it out? Does anyone ask a guy like Justin Herbert to, whoa, 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 hold up. We'll see what that contract looks like in a couple years. Let's play this one out before we give you an extension. Pay attention to how those kinds of things happen and who does and doesn't get the benefit of the doubt and who does and doesn't get insulted by the organization in the process. This doesn't only have to do with football, even. We also heard last week about the Zion Williamson contract, in which his body weight and body fat percentage combined has to be less than 295 pounds. Now, this is a lot of people thinking that it's important to be a little bit lighter on his feet as a basketball player because of how he plays basketball at a level above the rim. Williamson has also, in his three seasons since getting drafted, just played in 85 games. He did not play the entire 2021-22 season with a foot injury that people are attributing to being a little heavy and thus never really rehabbing correctly. I'm going to try not to raise my blood pressure too much about that, but people look at Zion Williamson and see the things he do and how unique they are and assume that the reason he's hurt all the time is because, you know what, he's just got too much going on above those ankles for them to ever be quite right. Although, what's interesting is that, like, 
when a guy like Brandon Roy spends his entire career in and out of injuries and it just becomes a sad story, no one thinks that, huh, maybe we got to re-manipulate his contract so he does something different to take care of his body, even if it's something plainly and bluntly obvious like stay in shape to make sure he can stay healthy. I mean, he's a guy that relied on quickness and versatility and all those explosive moves to get by defenders. We got to make sure that his ankles are okay. No one thought like, hey, we need to put something on his contract to make sure he stays in shape. Steph Curry had a great MVP, finals MVP run, etc. He's had a Hall of Fame, top whatever XYZ in his career. But early on, he had all of those ankle injuries and had to go in and relearn how to run and relearn how to walk and relearn how to set his feet to shoot and do all of those things because he couldn't stay healthy either. But we never had to put in his contract something as simple as, you need to make sure you stay in shape, son. We never had to do those kinds of things with Derrick Rose, who also played at a high-flying level above the rim and decided to shatter backboards and do all the same rim-tearing down dunks and everything at a much smaller size, no one assumed it was like, hey, maybe he's got too much weight on him. Maybe we need to change how he plays. Maybe we need to make sure we watch what he eats in the offseason. Now, I know all those guys are dramatically different looking than Zion Williamson, and frankly, most basketball players are dramatically different looking than Zion Williamson. But why does that mean his contract has to have this demeaning, publicized nonsense about paying attention to his body weight and body fat? Do you not think he's already going to do that? Do you not think everyone in his ear trying to help him maximize his potential or just his own self trying to be the best basketball player he can be is already trying to pay attention to that? We saw Greg Oden and Yao Ming as big guys, obviously a little bit different shape than Zion Williamson as well, but suffer major foot and ankle injuries throughout their career, and neither of them played very long either. But that was just an unfortunate story. No one said that Yao Ming needed to lay off the fried chicken and start playing more basketball, even when he retired and said he was going to go eat more fried chicken and drink more beer. We never saw that argued about Yao. We never saw that argued about Greg Oden. We don't see that argued about other tragic injury stories. They just become tragic injury stories. So why are we caring so much about Zion's body fat and weight why is that such a different ordeal why does that feel like something that you have to put in a contract that is not painfully obvious to zion and his camp sidebar i would like to interject here that lebron james is roughly an inch and a half taller than zion and we have no idea what he weighs at any given point when he was in miami there were reports that he weighed anywhere between 260 pounds and 280 pounds zion williamson is weighing it at 285 these days and if he's going to be under that 295 body weight and body fat combo he's going to be at like 280 with 15 percent body fat like that's that's really where he's going to be at and we saw lebron james dominate the NBA in a way that may be unprecedented. I guess you could talk about Jordan and Kareem and this and the other thing, but may be unprecedented. And we may never see that type of athlete again. Or we may tell that kid at 21, hey, you got to lose weight because we're going to pay attention to what you weigh on the scale, bud. Sidebar over. NBA contracts will have things about being in shape when season starts or in shape when training camp starts or whatever. We saw this with Shaq. We've seen this with other heavy guys as well. I mean, you could even argue about, you know, Charles Barkley had the famous conversation with Moses Malone. He talked about once upon a time, and he actually talked about it in light of Zion, about like older guys like, dude, you got to take care of your body better. These conversations happen with Zion all the time. You don't have to publicly humiliate him with it in his contract. 
He understands that. The other issue about Zion's contract, while we're sitting here on the Zion contract versus the football contracts that I really, really want to know more about, is when does this get enacted? Are you weighing him every week? Or are you going to wait till he hits the escalator on a first-team All-Pro? Like, hey, we need to check his body fat percentage to make sure we don't have to owe him the whole escalator. Like, how is that going to get used? What are they going to do with that? We'll see. If it gets used, how it gets used, I'm sure it gets on thesis later. I digress. I will say that this seems to be another way that a major organization in sports insults their star franchise, face the franchise type of player. And it doesn't seem to sit well with me at all. If it's Lamar, if it's Kyler, if it's Zion, if it's Dak, if it's whomever, what is the goal of publicly humiliating your franchise player, the face of your franchise, by not paying them, holding on to the contracts, asking them to do crazy arbitrary things, or asking them to do the most obvious things, the most minimal things, but making it public? What is the goal of doing all of those types of things to one individual player? We don't see Cincinnati asking Joe Burrow to stop smoking cigars. We didn't see Dallas try to put some sort of a stipulation about what Luka needs to enter training camp looking like, even though he's looked out of shape when he shows up to training camp. I don't understand why some athletes get this insult and others don't. Especially when it's any of these different types of things, whether it's being in shape or paying attention to the film and not the video games or making sure you're devoted to your or whatever, these basic level things that are very professional in nature and everyone in pro sports kind of does, it would be beneficial to have that on every contract. But that's not what's happening. The Arizona Cardinals aren't requiring everyone to watch four hours of film on their own, but it would help everyone. The New Orleans Pelicans aren't requiring everyone to hit a certain body weight and body fat and come back in a certain level of shape, but it would help everyone. We're not seeing them issue these blanket statements across their franchises, we're seeing the single out the faces of their franchises. And it doesn't seem to be the right way to do it because all it's done is create a bigger distraction. The story of the Baltimore Ravens going into next season ought to be how can they win a loaded AFC North, not does Lamar Jackson stay on the Baltimore Ravens after next season? The story of the Arizona Cardinals ought to be, can they finish the deal this season after two seasons in a row of success early and failures late? Not, does Kyler Murray play too many video games? The story of the Dallas Cowboys needs to be things about, like, can they finally start winning playoff games? Not, did they pay Dak or will they pay Dak? The story of the New Orleans Pelicans needs to be, hey, this young core and all these draft picks may finally push themselves into a five seed, a home seed in the first round, etc. Not what is on Zion Williamson's lunch plate. These are not the questions you need to be asking about these franchises, but these are the questions that their franchises continue to open up once they put these kinds of things out there publicly, once they publicly insult the faces of their franchises, this is what the conversation becomes. After a long story where I'm basically just flunking a bunch of GM's management and organizations, I guess I really am left with a question. My question is, where does this end? When do we stop questioning these younger quarterbacks or certain particular younger quarterbacks or certain younger quarterbacks anyway, or certain younger stars anyway? When do we stop questioning whether or not they want to be professionals in the first place? They don't get to the level they're at without wanting to be professional. They don't get to love their at without being worth the money you're investing. You've already built your whole franchise around these faces of your franchise. You really hesitated to give them the money? <laughs> I, I just, I sit here and wonder, how far can these franchises go, both in telling people they're not worth the money they're paying them 
and simultaneously telling them within contracts, you have to do everything we want you to do at all times, 24 hours a day, even when you're not at the facility. And I wonder how far does that go and where does it really end? Does it end up somewhere where you're actually controlling the full 24-hour day of some of your star players and franchise faces? Does it end somewhere where all of a sudden the players bite back and say, no, if I'm not on the clock in the building, you don't have control of me? Does it, Where does this thing lead us to? And do contracts like Kyler, like Zion, like Lamar, like Dak, like whatever we see the next go-round next summer, do they have any sort of correlation and impact together, or are we just going to keep doing the song and dance every single offseason? Okay, Parker, so the thesis statement for this commercial is James Harden has the best beard in sports. What do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we, we seem to have an affinity for our beards between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big beards in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis? So I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But you're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So check out the beard struggle. The beard struggle, they make oils, they make balms, they even have have this heated comb to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, but it'll <laughs> keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're listening to our show, you can use FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your balms, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. Absolutely. Check out The Beard Struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast your face. Friends, that's another edition of FN Sports where I flunked a bunch of management GMs and the like. If you enjoyed the show, you make sure you follow us on all your social media platforms. On Instagram, we're at F underscore N underscore sports. That's at F underscore N underscore sports. And on Twitter, we're at FN Sports 2. That's F-I-N-S-P-U-R-T-S number 2, all one word. We're approaching 10,000 followers on Twitter. Make sure you go follow us there. We're going to have a big, big giveaway once we hit 10,000 follows. On both of those social media handles, you can go to the link in the bio. The link will take you to a link tree. We can see all our various sponsors. That's InTheClutch.com. That's Yeti. That's the Beard Struggle. That's a bunch of different people that help the show go. You can also find our merch store there. The merch store has access to a bunch of different t-shirts, tanks, caps, hoodies, and mugs, all of which have various charities tied to their proceeds. Make sure to check that out. Help out great causes. Help out the FN Sports Show as well. If you want to talk to me, you can find me on all social media platforms at Painsworth512. That's P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512 on Twitter and Instagram, I'm doing things like sharing the things I'm working on, the things I'm writing, and things I'm featured on, as well as various losses on sneakers and <laughs> talking about my Houston Rockets and all those kinds of things. Make sure you follow me on all social media platforms as well. If you want to support the show for free, you can do so by downloading, liking, subscribing, rating us five stars, reviewing us, doing all the wonderful things up with the podcast, and whatever you do when it comes to sports, don't flunk with us. Later, guys. Lucky 
Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup, so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. 